So this week, um, I didn't hate it. Yeah, finally got a week where I was like, hey, you know what? I might actually continue reading on. It wasn't sexy. No. And it became very clear that Felina went, I've kind of put the slow burn on way too long, and it's time to speed this up. Yeah, so we went from having a sort of amorphous, unspecified amount of time to a very set amount of time and by a very set amount of time, we mean a three-month time jump. But first, we got to talk about <laughs> Kian, Kian, Kian. A really, really unnecessarily long exposition chapter in which we find out that Felina has ostensibly also been to <laughs> Chicago. Yes, I assume that there is a dinosaur at the Chicago airport. There's a- the, she only includes these things when she's like, I want everyone to know I've There's been there. There's another airport that has a dinosaur, and I am trying to blink as to which one it is. Was it Pittsburgh? There's a giant glass crab at um, Baltwash. I can tell you the Portland has a really beautiful uh, old-fashioned uh, aircraft that hangs from the ceiling. I want to say it's Pittsburgh that randomly had a... Because that's where I was recently, and I can't think of where else I've traveled recently. That wasn't my train. We meet Kian. Are we going with Kian or Kian? I'm going to go with Kian, because that's what I've been calling him. Uh, Kian is far enough of a cousin away that... Oh, that comment. So, Kian is not a second cousin. He's technically a first cousin once removed, because he is the child of one of Caden's dad's yep. cousins. But... Which, quick shout out, I just found out my first cousin once removed just had a baby this past few weeks. So, you know, shout out. Congrats to your first cousin once removed. Um, but yeah, and also really extra funny story. My first cousin's once removed is, so it's, they are roughly the same age as us and look very, very similar to us. It is creepy to talk about mm-hmm. them as attractive. Like, no joke, you hold up a picture, it is male version of Megan, and his brother is male version of my sister, Caitlin. Yeah. But, um, doesn't stop us from having this little, little fun yeah. comment. Kian carries one of the, so they've, Kian has picked Caden up at the airport. Kian carries one of the two huge black suitcases that I stuffed to the point of busting and throws it in the trunk of his Volkswagen, hair flying back like a shampoo commercial. If Lexi could see him now, he's a stud. Yeah. Lexi is his cousin. Yep. They are blood related. They are too close legally to do anything. Like, I understand that when you're little, it's different. You don't really understand, and it's, like, kind of funny. But Lexi's an adult now, and Kian's an adult now, and we all know that they're related, so this is a weird thing for you to even think to yourself, Kaden. Yep. But also, the flying back like a shampoo commercial still every time spotlight goes on this hair as it flies back. Um, I throw in my old other suitcase while checking out the contents of his trunk. Junker, jumper, cables, salt, a shovel, and an ice scraper. Hey guys, it is winter time in Chicago. 
Did you know that Chicago is cold, guys? Didn't have a clue. Knew it was the Windy City, I think. Chicago? It's pretty cold. He has an ice scraper in the back of his car. Yep, he has salt in his car. Doesn't Atlanta get snow? Atlanta gets weird snow. Like, they got eight inches last year, but that was like a fluke. They got eight inches of snow before New York got any snow. Atlanta gets ice. So you do need an ice scraper, though. Yes, you do. The problem with Atlanta is that it is likely to freeze overnight. Then it'll melt throughout the day and refreeze. And they don't have or they didn't have the infrastructure to to salt the roads to keep this from continuously happening. It has they've been working to upgrade it since. Hey, um, I have really bad news for you. New York has the same problem, except we've just never had the infrastructure, and it happens all the time, constantly, anyways. And you're just taught how to drive that way. Yeah. So, Kian's hair is a big discussion point. And they talk about how long it is. He doesn't like to take, he doesn't like to get haircuts. Um, It doesn't necessarily sound like it's winning of any ladies. I actually have a. I have a follow-up little thing I want to talk about from last week, and it's something that I've noticed throughout these books. So these books are really, really, really into the erotic side of things. They they talk about, like, sexual relationships between men and women, r- women really explicitly, especially right off the bat. They're like, what a hot piece of ass and stuff like that. And the other side of that coin seems to be that once they are together, they just have babies. Yep. Like, all of the Cocker brothers have, like, four kids. And Caden even mentions the whole thing. So it's, like, it's this weird thing where it's, like, I don't know, it just seems really strange that there's this huge focus on, like, the next generation and babies. Yeah. But not with Kian. Kian's very into his job. Um, He is a graphic designer, if I recall. Their other roommate is Oz, who is a video editor and staying at his girlfriend's place tonight. And this is where it's weird. So it goes, his name is Oz staying at his girlfriend's tonight. He's super low key. Nice. He's a video editor, mostly commercials. You know, any editors? Max just shot his first feature. I met his girl. She's quiet. Exactly. They're pretty introverted and it, it takes a certain personality to dissect hours of footage into the perfect minute-long ad for Myers Soap. Now, multiple things going on here. What? I just don't understand. Yeah, I met his girl. She's quiet. What does that have to do with anything? It, okay, is she also an editor? We literally just don't know yeah. anything. But, uh... It's strange how, like, the other women in these books tend to be objects. Yes. Lampshades. They cannot have personalities. Or if they do, they're very one note. Like and terrible. Like whenever he describes the men in his life, they tend to have a little bit of dimension to them. But like, for example, in the chapter that we read with the 25 people moving him out scene, it was like his sisters kind of have like little personality traits, but every other woman he described, like he describes all these men and their professions and what they do. Ethan gets to you know, compare cocks about fucking passwords for, like, two pages. But then when we describe all of his sisters-in-law, or, like, his cousins-in-law, they're just pregnant on the couch. Except for two. 
One we never see. And one who is... Because she's pregnant at work. That's the only thing he tells us about her. And then the one that disappeared. Yeah. And then Shelby shows up. Who's also pregnant? And she's pregnant and quiet. So women are either pregnant or gonna sleep with Caden. So, yeah, it's just weird. Also, the, like, editors are introverts thing is a little weird. Um, The whole exchange is weird. The whole exchange between Keenan... Kian and Kaden is strange in general, but we do yeah. kind of get Felina's stance on pot and also Felina's stance on bum roommates, I guess. Yeah, she has this weird bit where, where Kian goes on and on about how it's irresponsible to make other people wait for you to get your life together. I don't even really feel like addressing it because at this point I'm just really sick of her making these weird points for no well, reason. The, it's weird because she says, if you can't pay rent, you move out on your own. Take responsibility for your life. I agree you take responsibility for your life. However, if you can't pay you, rent, that's you need different. To either work something out with your roommates, do the chores around the house, whatever. Here's a game plan. Here's a time I'm going to start paying it. I'll start paying you back, et cetera, et cetera. Or you move back home, but you don't just kick someone out into the cold because they can't pay rent. Some people do. Felina. I don't know. I, yeah. It's, see what I mean by like, she feels very bootstrappy. Yeah. It's not a a management company. Like if I can't pay my rent, my management company is not going to sit here and work it out with me. But you were living with friends. They could have worked something out together. It sounds like she had a roommate who didn't pay rent and she got mad about it. So she used this little pop yep. book. Just like it's, it all comes back to that thing where Lanny got hit by the bicyclist. <laughs> Goddamn. That was not the day. <laughs> and so she went home and wrote the scene where she fucked up the yes. bicycle. So good. So this is how we're doing this. I don't know. I, I felt like their whole thing. It's like, so Kian has some family, but they're kind of scattered all over. I guess they're in Savannah, which is different from Atlanta. Kian wanted to get out, so now he lives in Chicago. He's super excited Caden's there. Caden's definitely, like, only lukewarm about living with his cousin. Like, his cousin's like, fuck yeah, Caden, and Kian's like, or Caden's like, eh. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But the apartment's pretty cool. Um, They talk a little bit about Chicago. There's the whole thing where there's this... Oh, yeah, here's the deal. The lake is always east. Great. It would be very concerning if it was not always where it yeah. was. I guess that, I think that's that how you is know the same, though. That's how you know what direction you're facing. And we're on a grid, so it's easy to get around. That's Chicago. Cool. Yep. You've never been here? Nope. The lake has sand. That is weird. Yep. Fucking sand and a beach. But it's a lake. But, yeah, so I don't know how many lakes you go to. Sand of the lake is fairly normal. Um, it depends. I know that a lot of lakes have, like, man-made beaches where they truck in sand, but there's also plenty of lakes where I'm from that just have sandy beaches. Also, or rocky beaches, like, it's... I'm not from that Great Lake area, but I grew up close enough to Lake Erie that I've been to Lake Erie. There are beaches on Lake Erie. I've been to Lake Ontario. There are beaches on Lake Ontario. I've been to lakes in Georgia that have beaches and stuff. Like, it's not... It's a weird way of putting it. The thing that I guess she's trying to get across is like, 
If you've never seen the Great Lakes, and this is coming from someone who didn't see the Great Lakes until probably five years ago, we flew over Chicago. They're fucking They're huge. massive. You cannot see from Chicago flying over it to the other side. And that was eye-opening to me. And I guess that's what she's trying to convey here, but it's bad. But it's just weird because then he says no ocean anywhere and it's like- No shit. Fucking thanks, Einstein. I'm in Illinois. <laughs> like, but I get it. Like, I, from the feeling I had when I first saw it, I get kind of the vibe she's going for in this really bad way. We, uh- Learn that Caden doesn't want to see the sights. He's really, like, not down for this area. They talk about how there's, like, Kian left Savannah because there wasn't enough ass going around. Essentially, I needed more girls to meet. Which is just, like, a funny way to say things, but it's actually totally how somebody would say it. Savannah's a tourist enough town, I guess. You could get enough action there, but whatever. They're in room seven. They show around the apartment, and they order Chicago deep dish pizza. Okay, I'm gonna just... You already know that I have strong feelings about this. Yes. Gonna get delivery, sound good, has to be pizza. That's how we'll celebrate. Pepperoni, get ready for greatness. Mm. 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 I mean, I'm just saying, like, okay, they didn't say deep dish pizza. Like, Chicago has other pizza. Oh, I agree, pizza. I just assumed... That I'm sure is great. Deep dish pizza is a casserole. <laughs> I agree. You silly New Yorker. So then we get a really, really dramatic end to this very long chapter in which we basically just establish that Felina has opinions about roommates and has been to Chicago. And at the end, get ready for greatness, Kean says. I stare at his empty door, thinking, that's what I'm here for. So it says, thinking, so it says, I stare at his empty door, thinking, comma, in italics, that's what I'm here for. Because generally speaking, at least this is how I've experienced reading. <laughs> when a character is thinking, you put their thoughts in italics. But that's also something that you really only do when you're writing in third person. But anyways, this is a book in first person. One of his thoughts is in italics. And these next sentences, which are all a paragraph in their own, are not in italics. So it says, that's what I'm here for. Watch out, Overhand. I'll become so good, word will spread. Don't care how long it takes me. I'll make my mark. It's the start of Act 2 of the Cocky Surgeon musical. There is actually a blank page in there on my there uh, is, EPUB yes. version. Act 2 starts. <laughs> so then we finally get back to Elizabeth. Oh yeah, she exists. It's a weird sentence though. A text from Gwen sparks my blood. She's... It's October, I guess. Sparks my blood? What kind of expression is that? I guess she's going for, like... The thing is, she keeps trying to use, like, colloquialisms. I don't know if that's exactly it. But anyway, she's trying to use, like, expressions that are really common. Or they sound really common. Like, saying, like, a text from... from Gwen gets my blood pumping would be a better way to do that. Or uh, I see a text from Gwen and my pulse races. Like, that's an expression that people use. Pulse yeah. races. Or my stomach. Sparks my blood. My stomach, you know. There's, yeah, exactly. There's other ways to describe what she's experiencing Sparks here. Sparks my blood is like, 
It's just a weird when way to put it. And Elizabeth are going to start hooking up, in my opinion. Like, that's... Yeah. But it's all about Caden. You find out that Caden won't talk about her. It's literally two pages of just confirming. This is the point in A New Moon where we have November, December, January. Yeah, we basically find out at the end that Gwen asked Caden if he'd spoken to Elizabeth and he said no desire to. And then we go to the next chapter. That one was like literally two pages in EPUB. Then the next day, still Elizabeth. Still so many grammatical errors. Well, here's the weird bit. So, so far we've had this book and it's all been written in first person. And when we've had dialogue, it's been described as dialogue. Right. This chapter opens with her overhearing a conversation between two nurses. And it's written like a play. Sharon, colon, what I hate is that she won. Ray, colon, Janet, oh, me too. I get what she's going for, like, she's just overhearing it, but, like, that's still not the way that this should be written within the context of this book. There's a really great book called Meddling Kids, where the whole point of... I've really wanted to read that good. I've got a second one. I've got to read it. The whole point is that he plays with different types of medium, or types of written medium, and the... It's the same thing with um, David Mitchell's uh, uh, Cloud Atlas, which is one of my favorite books. And so... This makes sense, and it's used throughout enough that you get, like, this is supposed to feel like a a drama is going on. This doesn't work in an erotic novel that you haven't set this up before. All this shows is that you were lazy and didn't finish your dialogue. That's exactly what it feels like to me, is it doesn't feel like she's, there's, so um, in Cloud Atlas, she changed, or he, not she, Mitchell changes styles for every individual story that he's telling. It's a complicated book. It's nested. Each book fits in the next book, fits in the next book. So you read the first half, and then you read the first half of the next story, and the first half of the next story, and then in the middle, and then you read the second half. Yeah. Like Matryoshka dolls. (laughs) So, like, the first series, like, the first story is written as a diary and then the next story is written as a series of letters and then the next story is written as an interview and then the middle story is sort of a stream of consciousness so um it makes sense for her to just switch to play style like dialogue like dramatic writing or like screen direction it was no it is very much i had to get words down and did not feel the need to clean them up And the other problem I have here is that we're getting an actual plot development because this is actually um, something that, like, I I felt like these chapters were really, really interesting. There was a lot happening. I just wish that any of this had been built up earlier. As far as we knew, Janet was a particularly gifted doctor with some serious social... um, uh, she didn't. She was not very good at social interactions. She almost came across like they were making fun of her for being maybe um, somebody with a. I wouldn't even say autistic. Just somebody with a social maladjustment. Yeah, it's. Or I hate that word. Uh, somebody who's not socially typical. socially conscious. I, I think typical would be the best way to put it because you know there's like neurotypical sure. somebody who's maybe not neurotypical. So our point being that. We haven't necessarily been Team Janet. We've just been Team Janet's not doing anything wrong. I just watched the episode of Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, where Sabrina is taking a creative writing class and she keeps getting C's on her papers. And it's like, and then her story comes to life and then she's got it in the, 
the way she ends her original story is that a bomb's going to go off and kill everybody. And they're like, no, if you wrote that, then it's actually going to happen. So she has to make change the ending, but she has to live like breed, breathe her characters into life and do things that make sense. And this is a point where it's like, you may have been going here, but your actions of your characters did not at all. And in all honesty, if we hadn't have read all six chapters, I still would have thought that this was some plot twist coming where Janet's not that bad of a person. But instead, according to Elizabeth, I still don't find Janet to be a terrible person because I don't quite get what she's doing wrong. So what we get out of this exchange between Sharon and Ray, who are presumably two nurses, is that Janet was running around beating Caden to his work on purpose. But also getting her own work done? Yeah, that's the thing that kind of bothers me, is that this whole thing is like, built on this premise that she did something wrong by going and doing Caden's work, but she had already done her work, and they're like, she was so sneaky. She made it look like he was slacking off. Even if he wasn't slacking off, if she's getting all of her work done, and then still has time to go do his work, I don't I know. I mean, you, it could be losing the emotional side effect, like, sure, I can get all my work done, but the added emotional support, the bridging of relationships and things like that, is getting left out, but we're still not being told that. Yeah. It was just a really strange thing to set up. And then she kind of sets up a more um, believable problem, which is the idea that... So Elizabeth goes to Camille, who is Chief Overhand's executive assistant, and it's implied that maybe Janet Gilroy was going and lying about Caden to Overhand, which is different, but we don't really establish that. Huh. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily got that, but it makes sense. Making Janet the bad guy is not done well here. And then they run into each other at a coffee shop. Oh my god, I had to reread this a few times because I was like... What the fuck? So we do establish that Janet did talk to Oberyn. Kind of. In a roundabout way. And then, yeah, they run into their local coffee shop. This is new chapter 33. And Janet comments, I haven't seen you in almost three weeks. And Elizabeth, my voice is is flat as I grab my mocha latte. I've been avoiding running into you outside of work where unfortunately I have no choice. What? Skipping my beloved cinnamon, I head for the door. Drop it. Leave me be. Keep snaking your way up without my help. It's it's, it's like she's established that Janet has seriously done something wrong. We haven't been told what it is. It's implied that she's talking to people that maybe she isn't supposed to, but like, there's nothing wrong with her going to the boss and talking. But if you don't have proof that Janet was talking about Caden, you don't have proof. Yeah. And then, so, the next sentence is, but for some reason she picks this drizzly morning to have a conscience, if I can credit her with one. Probably more like she's figured out that I'm onto her game now. I just, like, that was a weird thing to say, because it's like, Janet's actions do not imply to me that she grew a conscious. It implies to me that she doesn't know what Elizabeth knows. That was just a weird inference to make. And also, if someone said, 
I've been avoiding running into you outside of work, fortunately, because I have no choice. And you're my boss? Like, I'm going to come up and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Did I do something wrong? Which is literally what Janet does. Don't give me that fake innocence, Gilroy. I see you. It didn't for a long time. You're that good. But I've been paying close attention lately. Done some digging, too. You purposefully undermined Cocker's chances since the two of you began the program. Her mouth opens to speak, but I bite off the chance. You were sneaking around and working with patients who were under Cocker's care in order to beat him to the work. Prescribed treatments. Okay, before we go on to what Janet's response is, none of this is professional. This conversation should have been had in an office. It should have been had with a, medi- with a mediator, someone from HR, overhand, someone. Also still going to go ahead and say I don't think she did anything that wrong. I No, nothing here. We have never at any point seen Kaden be reprimanded for doing, like, for screwing something up other than working too much or being on the wrong floor. It has never been like, why didn't you prescribe this? Why did you miss this, this sign or this condition? There's... Not never been anything foiling Caden's intelligence. It's this also, yeah, doesn't really fit with the narrative that Caden overworks himself and is always there. Okay, so maybe the problem with Caden being off on other floors is that it was noticed that Janet was actually taking care of all of his patients, and maybe rather than going off to other floors, he should have worked harder with his patients. I don't know. This just seems like a weird counter narrative to what we heard in the beginning, which is that. Caden's there 24-7, he never takes a break, he works constantly. If that's true, how does Janet get time to do this? Like, we needed a bad guy, and Janet, we've established, is our bad guy for some reason. But Janet's response is, it's called wedding, she snaps, voice louder than I've ever heard it. I want to be at the top. Getting in her face, I hiss, you don't get there by walking over your team. You forced him to look over his shoulder when he should have been with his patients. You had your own. This is about the health of those people, not your damn career, which will be a lonely failed one if you keep this shit up. I agree. No patient's health should be sacrificed here. But it doesn't sound like they were. Exactly. Nobody is blaming Caden or anybody for the death of this cancer patient that is no longer a plot point, despite giving a letter that we still have yet to see. So Janet walks away, Elizabeth goes after her to continue to say the same things. That is not how we run a hospital. If you want to prove yourself, you be an excellent doctor and your performance will take you up. Do you think I undermine people, snaked around the place to make them look bad in order to get where I am? Because I can assure you the idea never occurred to me. Pause. Again, this is incredibly inappropriate of Elizabeth to be yelling at her students in a parking lot about this. But B, it is also incredibly naive to think that if you just sit there and do the right thing, you're going to get ahead in your career as a woman. And finally, Janet drives away, which is what a normal person would do in this situation. Drive away and go to Elizabeth's boss, I would hope. Yeah. Elizabeth gets into her Audi. We always mention that it's an Audi. She's damn proud of that Audi. I'm grumbling aloud. As I huff into my Audi, I'm grumbling aloud. Under all those brains, she's stupid. Has she no concept of how success lasts or how to be happy? 
this is more of that thing where it's like Felina's never talked to a person or heard them make words with their mouths. Yeah, it's a weird, I don't know, I, I, can, I can go into very long conversations about women and workplaces and, and the different ways we all try to succeed because I work with several women my age, a little bit younger and up and can see the different ways that we try to succeed. And I am all for the mentality that we need to stop backstabbing women to get ahead or backstabbing anybody to get ahead. This book doesn't handle this concept well. Other than the fact that it constantly like makes little like digs at diversity hires and things like that. I just also like, I can't even, I can't even get to the point where I can address something like that, honestly, because this makes so little sense in the context of everything we read in the first 20 chapters about what an amazing Dr. Caden is and how dedicated he is and how he never leaves the hospital. If that's really the case, Janet wouldn't have time to do these things. Either Janet's there 100% of the time as well, or there is a big plot point that got dropped at some point and not realized. So, chapter 34. So we skip. We have that part of New Moon where the months go by. Yes. Um, she says three months after Caden left Atlanta Hope and I hear my phone vibrate with a text. I no longer jump at these. Can I just take a little pause to talk about that? Um, even if I was constantly waiting for a text from somebody, I don't think I would always jump at a text, particularly if I were a doctor who probably gets between two and three hundred texts a day. I do understand the concept of when I'm dating someone, they typically have a different text tone. The last one. But her phone vibrates. Yep. The last one used a different app than a normal texting app. So like, I get the like, you hear this sound, it causes your heart to stop. And it is a really great feeling the day when you hear that sound and it no longer makes you think of that person. But yeah, you're a doctor, your phone's going off constantly. This should take this, this should go quicker. So she gets through Christmas and New Year's Eve. And then it's mid, it's mid-January when we come back to yes, Elizabeth. Which means that Caden left in October. Yeah. And then Gwen randomly texts her, Liz, how you doing? Still like your handsome doctor, or has that faded? And Liz says, not faded, how are you? Fine, busy, life works, same old. Me too. I'm asking because I think he might feel the same. And then we find out that, well, we don't find out. She has to go in for a surgery, which I thought was a nice little thing. Like, a little bit. She really wants to look at her phone because she hears it vibrate after she's set it down so she can wash her hands. And it's not until she's done stitching the person up that she can pick it up. One, turn your goddamn phone off in the surgery room. Well, I think it's, like, outside. She says she's scrubbing up. But still, turn your phone off. But anyways, um, the nurses have been after. So Gwen essentially communicates to Liz that all of the nurses have been super into him, including a particularly pretty one named Aria. And he has not been into it. I also do appreciate the fact that she doesn't slut shame or anything. These women just kind of sluts him or slut shames him. Well, or anti slut shames him. The nurse, the nurses have been after him. I was biting my nails, wondering how to eventually tell you he'd become a slut. But then it never happened. Is what Gwen says. It's a little weird. So then we cut back to Caden, who's kind of actually started to make some friends ish. It looks like here. Yep. Dr. Rivera. We've also got Pinkett and Bowers. Mm-hmm. 
And they invite him out to a brewery, and he says yes for the first yeah, time. because he is off shift tomorrow, and why the fuck not? They kind of tease him a little bit about never having come out before, and then they meet up with, um... Arya. Arya, and they all start to head there, and he sort of reflects for a little bit on how he's been learning a lot, with no Janet to stress him the fuck out. It's been a relief except for one thing, Elizabeth. I'm working under another female attending here. I keep comparing her to Myers. It's kind of weird the way that he uses the word female there. I guess it's the implication that, like, he worked 24-7 and was so stressed out was because if he wasn't there, Janet was going to fuck something up. Like, it's just not done well. Yeah, there was a lot more she could there was a lot more groundwork she could have laid here to establish that Janet was bad. But instead, the only real groundwork that she bothered to lay was that Oberhan wanted to hire her for a diversity hire, which I thought was kind of fucked yep. up. And that maybe Janet is awkward. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is kind of cute. We get this thing where Caden apparently reads the text message she sent him over and over again. And then he says, I plan to impress Overham, but I've begun to realize that it's not his opinion I care about, which I thought was kind of a nice sentiment. Yeah, and like, except for that it's Elizabeth that he wants to impress. But at the end of the day, Caden, do a good job for yourself. So remember how we talked about how Chicago is Chicago is so cold. So it's the middle of January. Chicago is really cold. I remember when my friend moved to Chicago. I had friends, I think it was 2014. One moved to Chicago and one moved to New York. And it ended up being like the coldest fucking winter where it was. Yes. Yeah. Where it was like in the negatives quite frequently and like buckets of snow. And I just remember being like, I'm never moving up north. That's insane. And now. Yeah, but you're in the city. The city does not get cold weather. They do not. But it was still a very cold winter in the city. Um, Yeah. Yes, that water thankfully regulates a little bit. However, I do remember that, and that's all I could think of when we get to this part. So we know that Chicago's cold, and yet the main thing that they're all talking about is apparently there was a boating incident today, and they had to deal with the boating accident. So I did Google Chicago boat January. There is a boating event, but I'm assuming it's in like a center where they have like a convention center where they've got boats and parts and things and like... Get ready for to buy things for your boats. I mean, I'm not I'm not willing to say that it's not a thing, but they, they make it sound like it's like a boat joyride. Yes. It's like that's not how things go in Chicago. Yeah, no one's no one's doing that. And if they are, then maybe they kind of deserve to get hurt. Yeah, I don't know. And then and then we have this cute little thing where they talk about how Bowers and Rivera are dating. And, or no, Pinkett and Rivera are dating, and Caden comments that it would be super cool to date somebody that's also in your field, which, frankly, don't really understand that sentiment at all. Yeah, like, I almost feel like he's leading on Arya. Yeah, so this other girl, Arya, he's very, very aware of the fact that she likes him. He's actually, like, kind of a shithead about it. Yeah, because... I know she's interested. Her vibe has been unmistakable. When I went home for the holiday, she was disappointed. When I stayed for New Year's Eve and tried to lose myself in the work of the busiest time of year, her shift magically got changed that night, and she was the one handing me the tools. And then even before that, no, maybe it's after that. As we walk towards Michigan Avenue, she and her friend Cindy talk, but it's distracted. They're thinking about me. I keep my gaze ahead as I discuss the shift with with the other doctors. Now, 
maybe it's because I was watching you while reading this. It's so narcissistic. It's so narcissistic. And that that was that was one of the, it, it had been kind of like, oh, I kind of like Caden, new Caden, Chicago Caden, kind of into that Chicaden. Um uh but then it goes back to cocky cocky brother number 18. <laughs> so a little over it. So yeah. They kind of talk a little Doctors bit about date. how Caden Doctors can date. Caden's kind of into the idea of getting married one day, and they get to this place called the Sweetwater Tavern, which sounds We also cool. have a moment of ignoring asexual and aromantic people. Uh, Arya offers, everyone wants to find someone. To act like they don't is just an act. That's not really true. Yeah, it's really weird. Well, I mean, Felina is not very good at um, being inclusive, even a little bit. Somehow she's written, they have this massive clan and none of them are gay. Yep. I don't think she knows what asexual is. She probably does. She's probably one of those people who doesn't believe it. So they get into this super cool brewery, and guess who walks in with Gwendolyn? Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth. I, I don't know. I just find it really funny that he's like... They're like, you look like a player. And he's like, I'm all about settling down my family. Everybody gets married and has kids and everybody's just really happy and positive. And I'm just like, dude, you don't have to search for the soulmate every time. Yeah, you could just, <laughs> anyways. But Elizabeth's there. So Elizabeth's there. Aria hands him a drink and Elizabeth sees it. And he gets upset by the fact that Elizabeth sees it. And then he says, Elizabeth's sexy as fuck heels. Hurry after her friend. What? Okay. Yep. It's like Kaden is smarter with Elizabeth not around. Yeah, probably. But... He tries just to play it cool, and then he realizes he can't. Um, he announces that he's a vegetarian. Ooh, yeah. Which, like, okay, fair. Fine. Yeah. So he says, I'm gonna get a veggie burger, and then Bauer says, the wings are incredible. You're missing out, Caden. Staring at both at the booth Myers occupied with her friends, I think to myself that he's right. Excuse me. And he goes over, and then there's the sentence, my heart is pounding as I weave through more college students than aren't. <laughs> Voices are loud. Music is louder. I'm sorry. I weave through more college students than aren't. Yeah, this probably went through several beta readers. Yeah, that's a sentence. I thought you were going to do his pulse. Well, all he can hear is his pulse. He walks over. He meets Partridge's husband, who's an average-looking man with warm eyes and a firm grip. I like him instantly for not behaving weirdly under the circumstances he must know about. He could make me feel like an asshole for never replying to her texts. If he had half a desire to, I appreciate his friendly manner more than he knows. No description at all, whatever, of what he looks like. He is not as cute as Caden. That is all we need to take away. And then... He asks if he can speak to Elizabeth alone. So, if you can't tell, this was the most, like, action-packed <laughs> chapter set that we've had. Things happened. I'm interested. I can't wait to... Well, no, I can totally wait because I have other things that I should be reading that I'd rather be reading. But, um, you know, it won't be, like, a total slog, hopefully, the rest of the way. We've only got about 12 chapters left at this point. And it seems like they're going to be pretty exciting. We're so close to being done. 
And it seems like things are happening. Unless she just turns around and slaps him and... No, she follows him. Um, Dr. Right, Partridge so says, a careful, take your time as Elizabeth walks away with me right now. I have to her. admit, wings sound really good right now. I know, I really want just wings too. Big... Also, like, real yeah, pizza. Yeah, real pizza. I had real pizza for lunch, but, like... Actual pizza. There's a good uh, Chinese shop around the corner for me that does fried wings. It sounds really good right now. Oh my god, Chinese food yes. wings are delicious. With are you kidding? Duck They're sauce? so crispy. So that's where we leave it this week on an actual cliffhanger. Yeah, it's... Yeah. You know, we'll figure out what happens next. Did she follow him? Hey, this wasn't the worst. Is she on vacation in Chicago just to be on vacation? Did she come to talk to him? No, she went to see him. Is it going to go okay? Are they going to make up? Are they going to move their clan to Chicago? You know what's probably going to happen, though? They're going to fuck in the bathroom of this brewery oh, next chapter. I hope not. Yeah. Those are just never clean enough. They're going to they're gonna bone down in the bathroom. That's, that's chapter 37. I'm calling it. They're not going to have any conversation. It's going to be like, I can smell the sexy vibes coming <coughs> off of her because I'm Dr. Caden Cocker. And she's going to be like, <sighs> he's so sexy and his dick smirks. And then they're not going to talk about anything. They're just going to have sex in the bathroom. And then afterwards they will be together and she'll have babies because that's what everything, that's how everything goes. We're going to have 12 chapters of that. That's what happens when you consistently keep trying to have sex with no fucking condom or any other kind of contraceptive. Can we talk about how this confirms entirely, though, that we have completely dropped the Scylla letter because anything she says now will be useless because he's already made the decision to talk to Elizabeth? Like, Unless it's the thing that convinces him to stay in Chicago. I don't know if it will be. I think he's going to move. I think we're going to find out that Janet Gilroy had something to do with Scylla's death. <gasps> I think that's what's going to happen. And then he's going to move back to Atlanta Hope. Oh. And they're going to be together. And her letter will be entirely inconsequential. No, or the letter is the thing that they can take back to Overhan to be like, look, see, he's such a fantastic doctor. Look at this note that this dying patient that wasn't his left. No. Either way, it has no stakes it's anymore. Totally to fuck. Yeah, they're going to bang in that bathroom. All right. Well, this, I have, I mean, I have a lot of complaints about the way that she writes and the decisions she makes and her characterizations and the way that her characterizations don't really work for me. But, you know, things happen this chapter. I was into it. This felt a little fun. Yeah, I'm very glad, again, that you suggested that we push through chapters and get a few more out because we could be in week two of whiny melodrama of Kate and leaving for Chicago, but in We'd literally be reading about how small his bowling ball was this week. Yeah. I'm okay with a time jump because I was really worried we were going to get three months of him whining about Chicago. Yeah. It's still a weird jump because there's not really been set time anywhere else. But I this is probably, if we were rating actually our sessions, this is would be one of the top ones. Yeah, I think so too. I'm going to make one more comment and then we can close it up. Sounds good. If this motherfucker won't eat donuts because he likes his abs, why is he drinking beer? Because to men, beer is a necessity. I'm just saying it's probably worse for your abs. Oh, I agree. I agree. But I'm thinking now of all the uh, men I know in the 
cleanses they go on and how beer is usually the last thing that they give up. Oh, I mean, I love beer and donuts. I just don't have abs. <laughs> this is true. I have abs. Deep, very deep. Deep, deep, deep abs. Deep in this. Deep in so. deep abs. Uh, and I'm totally not sitting here looking to see if my if they'll deliver deep fried wings. All right, Megan, where can they find us if they want to talk to us about this, like, decidedly okay set of chapters? Uh, you could start on our Facebook group, which is a handbook for judging uh, fabulous retellings covers. Uh, there you can find both of us and leave some commentary, especially, like, if you're into video editing and maybe they all actually are introverted and that's cool you could also you know come talk to us on twitter which is at handbook podcast um or you could talk to us on our individual twitters which is at mag griffin with three g's in the middle or and l was like if you want to go talk to to l who has the best handle or at least the last time i looked it was why the fuck is there no uh, just plain pumpkin emoji? Nah, I updated it. It's okay. it's real good now, though. No, I need to see. Jack L. Lantern. Oh, bless. Hey, I love it. Because it's Halloween. It is officially Halloween. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Subscribe, share. That's what you're supposed to say at the end of these things, right? Oh, yeah. We don't, you know, necessarily. I mean, I'd usually double check to make sure we have emails so that we don't have any to stop and desist you know, orders more than anything. But uh, we do have a few reviews. We always would love more. Yeah. Know? Reviews are really great. And uh, if you say something like really offensive, we'll probably talk about it on the show, but probably Hell not. Yeah. Oh, we are wrapping up the Cocky Gate Odyssey. I don't know. <laughs> At the end of this month. So hit us with your book drama. We want to hear about it so we can yeah. talk about it. We'll keep an ear to the ground if, uh, or we'll end up going with something a little bit older until something more fun and ridiculous happens. Like the Handbook for Mortals movie. Yeah. You know what? Surprisingly, did not check any of Lanny's social media. It's like I've always- We've got to ignore her because a watched pot doesn't boil. This is very true. But I am very curious to see, is she, she is not, she's going to be in Chicago this weekend. No, I'm very sad. She not coming to New York Comic Con? Probably not. That's very big. She probably would have to pay to be there. Well, if you are going to Comic Con, New York Comic Con, and want to say hi, I'll be there. I'm not going to tell you where, but just know that I'll be there. Go find Meg. She's great. Give her a hug. Tell her she's pretty. Why? <laughs> thank you. So yeah, do you want to go ahead and plug your new podcast? Um, my new podcast is Short, Colorful, and Loud, and it is a podcast that I have with my friend Zach, where we are two grown-ups who talk about kids' movies. It will probably launch later this month, so if you know me and you hear it, I don't know, let me know. Um, I'll probably be sharing it on my personal Twitter. Um, oh, we will definitely be promoting it on anything handbook-related as well. Ah, cool. So, yeah, you guys can also just watch the handbook channels for that, and uh, yeah. you'll see me eventually. Um, I love kids' movies, so this is really exciting. That'll be awesome. Okay. I'm very glad. I've only heard one episode, and I'm very glad that this is finally coming out. So, And uh, everybody should go listen to Fiddler's Retellings. They're doing the Baba Yaga. I haven't caught up yet, but I'm sure it's amazing. Oh, no, we just recorded the last episode where we did John Wick, and we were like, this isn't Russian at all. But we're going to talk about it.
The second one kind of is. There's enough Russian undertones. It still was us. Like, yeah, it's fine. We had fun. Baba Yaga was a great season. Um, John Wick is a great movie, so I'm really excited to listen to that. Uh, And judging book covers is always great. And I don't listen to Minds at Yerk because I know nothing about Animorphs, but everyone I know is like Minds at Yerk is great. So you guys can find Meg over there. At any of those places, and um, we'll see you guys next week. We'll we'll talk at you guys next week. We won't see any of you. We can't see you. No, that would be a little weird. So we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Awesome. Pushing this away just a little bit. There we go. So I'm not breathing into the mic. So... Oh no, can you just do that again? I love that on my headphones. Can you just breathe real heavy in there? (laughs) I'm not fucking sober. This is gonna be fun. (laughs) How did this. Oh, I do. Do I do. Feel this on your neck. (laughs) That was sexy. Mm. (laughs) We're gonna leave that in there because it's spooky. And there's not enough spooky in this erotic novel. And so we're going to freak you out by breathing. Just imagine us creeping around the corner (laughs) to tell you about Cocky Gate.